Do you ever wonder if you're saved? Or what saved even means? Or what God is like? Or what Jesus did? Some people are embarrassed to ask these really basic questions, but please don't be. They're the most important questions you could ever ask. And that's why I want to give you a brand new copy of this little book I wrote called The Basics. Uh, you can get your paper copy or your digital copy or your audio copy or your video version just by going to timeofgrace.org slash the basics. This week we're talking about marriage and especially the relationships that we have inside of a marriage. And so what is the relationship between husband and wife that God wants for the marriage? In other words, what are the callings that God gives to husbands and wives? Well, before we get into that, we need to go all the way back to creation to be reminded of something. So God created Adam and Eve with his own hands as works of art. And the Bible says that God saw what he made and his declaration was, it was very good. Now, up until this point, up until they came along, everything was good in that there was nothing wrong with it, but it wasn't complete either. You see, God didn't make paradise for its own sake. He made it for people and without them, it was just an empty shell. So God makes everything just right and he saves the very best for last and he gives it to them and says, all this is for you. Creation was perfect and people were the very best part of it. When we're talking about the relationships of husband and wife inside of a, a marriage, it's important to remember that our status in God's eyes as men and women, as husbands and wives, is perfectly equal. Um, both the, the man and the woman are together, the crown of God's creation. Husbands and wives are perfectly equal before God. And even though husbands and wives' statuses are perfectly equal before God, that doesn't mean that God gave them the same calling or the same function. Uh, in other words, God did not make husbands and wives clones of each other. He made them to be complementary so that they actually strengthen the marriage. Uh, maybe one way to look at it is like this. Who's more important, the, the policeman or the fireman? Well, unless you're a policeman or a fireman, you'd say neither. Neither's more important. But they don't do the same thing. They don't have the same function. They complement one another in order to serve you better. Uh, the same is true in a marriage. God wants the, the husband to be the head and he wants the wife to be the helper. One of the sections of scripture that, that talks about that quite a bit is Ephesians 5. And I'd like to take a few minutes and uh, a few moments and, and talk about the, what God says to husbands and, and how they should carry out their calling in the relationship. And then tomorrow we'll talk about the wife's calling. So Ephesians 5 says this Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So the main directive that God gives to husbands is to love their wives. And, and when we're talking about love, we're talking about agape love, that special selfless love. And so the husband being the head, it does not mean that he's the general in the army barking out orders. No, instead, uh, this is the husband bending over backwards to do what's best for his wife. And his model is Jesus himself. 
And what did Jesus do? Jesus loved the church so much that he gave himself up for her. That means that the husband is going to sacrifice himself, even his own preferences, in order to serve his wife. The question that we as husbands need to constantly ask ourselves is, am I loving her like Jesus does? Why do you think that God gives men the directive or husbands the directive to love their wives. He doesn't give that directive to wives, though they should love their husbands. Why do you think he specifically says, husbands, love your wives? Well, there are many reasons, but I think one of the main reasons is that that's what the wife needs from her husband. I would imagine that one of the greatest fears of women is to be married to a pig. And so God says, husbands, love, just as I loved you. A husband who is bending over backwards to do what's best for his wife makes it a whole lot easier for her to carry out her God-given calling of being that helper. We'll talk more on that tomorrow. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you love the church by dying on the cross to save us. Motivate husbands to love their wives just as you loved us and help them to serve their wives. In your name we pray. Amen. Yesterday, we talked about the relationship that God wants husbands and wives to have inside of their marriage. And we saw in Ephesians 5 that God tells husbands that he wants them to be the loving head of the family and to love their wives just as Christ loved the church. Which means that the husband is going to sacrifice himself, even his own preferences, in order to serve his wife. Today, we see that God wants wives to be the loving helpers in that relationship. And we need to understand that the word helper is not an inferior word, it's not an inferior position. In fact, you know who loves to be called helper in scripture? God says it again and again that he loves to be our helper. Now, think it through logically. Um, if God helps us, does that make us more important than God? Obviously not. And the same is true with the wife's uh, calling of helper inside of that relationship. It's not an inferior position at all. Some find it helpful to use the illustration of a pitcher and a catcher and their relationship. So one pitches and the other catches. Uh, both have different functions, but both are vital functions. Finally, it's the pitcher who's going to throw the pitch, but how does that pitch get decided? Well, it gets decided by pitcher and catcher working together to decide on which pitch would be best in that, in that scenario. And oftentimes, the pitcher honestly trusts the catcher and, and, and what he thinks and just throws that pitch. Well, the same is true in the relationship um, with husband and wife. Finally, it, it falls to the husband to make that final decision that'll give God glory. But how does that decision get reached? It, it gets reached by husband and wife, head and helper, working together to come up with the best decision to give God glory. Here's how Ephesians 5 puts it. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So the key directive for wives is to submit to their husbands. Unfortunately, uh, that word submit has developed a negative connotation, uh, but that is not at all the connotation that scripture has for that word submit. Instead, submit simply means to line your will up under somebody else's. 
As Christians, we do that for each other. In fact, in the verse that comes just before this section that talks about the relationships of husbands and wives, the Bible encourages us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, both men and women, to each other. And so, Scripture's directive to women is to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. Think about it this way. Is it difficult for us as a church to submit to Christ who loved us so much that he gave his life for us on the cross? No. In the same way, um, is, is it a burden for wives to submit to their husbands when their husbands are bending over backwards trying to do what's best for them? Yesterday, we asked the question, why does God give the directive to husbands, love your wives? And we said it's because it's what the wife needs from her husband. Well, why does God give the directive to wives to submit to their husbands? Again, the answer is because that's what husbands need their wives to do. One Christian author put it this way about describing submission inside of a marriage. She said, it's giving the best of myself in order to enable my husband to become the godly leader God wants him to be. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, help husbands and wives fulfill the godly relationships you've given in your word as heads and helpers. Remind us constantly that our relationship is to be a reflection of our relationship with you. Help husbands love their wives as you love the church. Help wives submit to their husbands as the church submits to you. In your name we pray, amen. This week we're talking about relationships in a marriage. And today's topic is actually just as applicable in marriage as it is in every relationship that you have. Today I want to talk about communication. Uh, now the Bible makes it clear how important communication is. In the book of James, he compares the tongue or communication to a little rudder on a ship that steers the big ship wherever it wants to go or to a little spark that sets a whole forest on fire. In other words, communication is powerful. It's why James goes on to say that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Why is that such good advice? Well, because once it's out, it's out. You can't take the words back into your mouth. How many of you have ruined a nice evening with your spouse or significant other because of something that you said that you wish you could have taken back? I'm sure that many of us would answer guilty as charged, right? It's why people will say, God gave you two ears and one mouth, use those proportionately. So when we do say something, what do we want to say? Ephesians 4 says this, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. So first of all, in any relationship, especially in a marriage, we want to speak the truth, but we want to do so in love. In other words, you know that there are more than, there's more than one way to say the same thing. Uh, one way that you can say it is in a cold and heartless way that tears the person down. But the other way, and the way scripture wants us to say it, is a way that, that shows the other person that you care about them, that you love them, that you want to build them up. In fact, that's what Paul in Ephesians goes on to say. He says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Only what is helpful for building others up. Just pause on that for a second. I've got a challenge for you and I really want you to do this. So tomorrow, you're going to wake up and you are only going to think about what other people need. 
Okay, so that means that everything that comes out of your mouth, everything you say, is going to only be to build other people up. First of all, do you know how hard that's going to be? And it will be hard. I think we realize when we really intentionally try to do that, how much of what we say is really focused on self. But secondly, if you do that, even if you do it imperfectly, do you know what kind of day that'll be? It'll be an incredible day, not just because you built other people up, but because of what happens when you build others up, the natural thing for them to do is to build you up as well. And that's certainly how it works in the marriage relationship. Husbands and wives build each other up and, and it just feeds off of, uh, they feed off of one another. Uh, have you ever read the book of Song of Songs? Uh, you might think that it's a, a little bit of a strange book because many of the pictures and phrases that are used in that book, we don't really use in everyday conversation. But basically, the Song of Songs is a love song between husbands and wives. I just want to read um, a little section about how the husband speaks of his wife. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Ladies, if you had a nickel for every time your husband told you that, right? Um, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. So, as the husband speaks to his wife, he praises her, he adores her, he builds her up. And what do you think her response to that is? Well, it's just the same. She praises and adores and builds him up in return. It's interesting that this is how Jesus speaks to us. Uh, one of Jesus' favorite pictures for us, his church in the Bible, is to call us his bride. And it's super interesting, when you read scripture, he never talks about us as the 2,000-year-old hag who never gets anything right. No, he only ever talks about us as what he's made us to be by his cross, spotless, blameless, without blemish. And so today, you may not use the words of Song of Songs, though if you do, just a tip, it does break the tension a little bit in an argument with your spouse. Uh, but praise someone today. Build somebody else up because you've already, in Jesus, been built up as far as you can go. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you call us your bride and communicate your love for us in the Word. Motivate us by that love to communicate, to build up everyone else in our lives, especially our spouses. In your precious name I pray, amen. The relationship that I want to talk about today is that sexual relationship that God blesses husbands and wives with in a marriage. Sex is a wonderful gift from God that he wants you to share with just one person. So I'm going to give you five seconds to come up with a list of all the other gifts that God gives that he wants you to share with just one person. Are you ready? Okay, so far, your list is perfect. Although, to be fair, I wouldn't be able to hear your answers coming through the camera anyway. Um, there are no other gifts that God gives that he wants you to share with just one person. Think about it. Your, your time and your talents, your money, God's word, all these things he wants you to share with everyone. Now, some people will give the answer that, well, children, that's something that you only share as husband and wife. But when people say that, usually I pull out my phone and I start showing pictures of my kids and I talk about how when they were babies, everyone loved to hold them and it made them feel so good. In other words, in a way, children are something we can share with others as well. But sex, no, sex is the one gift that God gives that he wants you to share with just one person. 
And so what does that tell you about God's gift of sex and marriage? It's special. And he wants to keep it as a special gift that husbands and wives can give each other. And that's maybe something to realize too, that sex is not a dirty word. It's a wonderful gift from God. The only reason that word gets tainted is when we use it in a way that is foreign to God's design. Think of it this way. Is fire a good thing? Well, in a fireplace? <laughs> Absolutely. The, the home I live in now is the first home I've ever lived in that has a fireplace. It is amazing. It's like wearing a blanket all the time. But what about fire in the curtains? Okay, that's disaster, right? The same is true with sex. Sex is a wonderful blessing of God inside of a marriage. But outside of it, it's disaster. God designed sex as a gift that husbands and wives can give to each other in a special way. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 7. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Only in marriage can sexual intercourse be that special gift that husbands and wives give each other. Only in marriage can sex be husband and wife beautifully expressing that the two have become one flesh. Now maybe, maybe you're one who has has not used sex in the way that God designed it to be. Does that mean that you are not going to be able to give that as a special gift to your spouse one day or that you're tainted forever? Well, I'll answer that by, by leaving you with a few passages. God says to you, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And he says, for I will forgive your wickedness and will remember your sins no more. And he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Because of Jesus, you are white as snow. Because Jesus paid for your sins on the cross, he doesn't remember them anymore. Because of Jesus' perfect faithfulness for you, you are pure. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the blessing of sex and marriage. Help us to appreciate the beauty of this blessing and to handle it with care and purity in our marriages. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This week we've been talking about our relationships inside of a marriage. And today I want to talk about the husband and wife's relationship with the Lord. Have you ever seen the God triangle? I'll try to illustrate it with my fingers here. You've got God on top and you've got husband and wife on either side. And the principle is this. The closer husband and wife get to God, the closer they'll be to each other. Studies show that the divorce rates for couples who are into the word of God together at home and at church are drastically lower than those who, or the national divorce rate. Why is that? Well, it's because when we see God's love for us and are constantly fed with that, it empowers us to show love for each other. 1 John 4 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The more we see Christ's love, 
the more we're going to want to reflect that love as husbands and wives inside of the marriage relationship. Now, some people might think that this is not a very important relationship inside of their marriage. Why do you think that might be? I think that sometimes couples will say, well, okay, it's not that it's not important, but we're just so busy. Uh, but like eating, <laughs> not making time for God's word could result in death. If you don't make time for eating, you could die. The same is true with God's word. And maybe for some couples, you know, everything's going pretty well. And so there's no immediate threat to the marriage. Uh, but that's a little like treating a fire in the garage like it's no big deal. Well, at least it's in the garage. It's not in the house yet. Now, we need to be able to answer this question and understand the impact of the answer. Does everyone want your marriage to succeed? The answer is no. Satan does not want your marriage to succeed, and he's doing everything he can to break you up. But Jesus does want your marriage to succeed, and he wants the relationship of husband and wife and that relationship with him and his word to be one that builds up in the marriage. So recognizing how important this aspect of your marriage is, that relationship with the Lord, I've got an assignment for you. If you're single, um, I want you to come up with a devotional plan of how you're going to be into the Word of God and then get together with a group from your church who's going to encourage you in your faith. And if you're a married couple, I want you to actually sit down, maybe have a glass of wine, and talk about your relationship with the Lord and how you're going to strengthen that. Uh, that's going to involve having devotions or maybe reading the Bible together. It's going to involve going to church together and, and, and Bible study. It's going to involve praying together. And always remember, this is not a to-do. Instead, this is God's gift to you. When you're in his word, he gives you gifts. In fact, he tells you that when you meditate on his word, you're like a tree planted by streams of water. You'll yield your fruit in season, your leaf won't wither, and whatever you do will prosper. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Fill me with your love through your word so that your love overflows in all of my relationships, especially in my marriage. In your saving name I pray. Amen.